0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Amazing worship team. Keep your applause going. <laughs> I feel like I'm at a performance, the production crew. No, seriously, how amazing was worship? Like, not even amazing, but glorious. Like life-giving and this is why it's so important that you are in the house because when you're not here, we miss out on what you bring. And when you're not here, we miss out on what you bring. Amen? Okay, lovely. Take your seats. You guys are so obedient. You, like, didn't even sit down. Sometimes you're, like, sitting down before we even finish. Um, Yeah, seriously, aren't these so cute? Cynthia, well done. She um, did all these whatever they're called, crocheted. Is this crocheted or is this knitting? Yep. Sorry, elderly people. (laughs) Um, Cool. Great. My props are there. We will get into it. Yes. My time's ticking. Ticking time bomb. I actually have a timer today, not like Pastor Andrew last week. (laughs) Go, Tate. Well done, buddy. Um, Who is ready for the word of God? Yes. Who's got your Anything to write down, iPad, I something, you something, anything, write it on your neighbour's hand. But this morning, um, I'm really honoured to bring, um, just FYI, I'm not preaching about Anzac Day, okay? So if you're waiting for me to do an Anzac Day message, sorry, that's just not today. I have something else to bring to you that I believe um, is God's word for us. So this morning, my message is called Major and Minors. And all the piano teachers go, do-no. <laughs> Um, We're not talking about your piano, but majors and minors. Um, I have a confession to make. I have a problem. I know some of you don't, but I, Pastor Ruth Emerson, have a problem. Can I be honest with you this morning? You're all like nervous. I find it really hard to make up my mind when I'm eating out. Does anyone else have that problem? seriously Aaron is like can you just make a decision like indecision is something that has just haunted me (laughs) most of my life and I'm like oh it's seriously it's like what do I eat well where am I at um you know what's on the special board yeah come on who are those people um what do I feel like what did I eat for lunch did I have a pasta for lunch do I want pasta again who loves pasta yum fresh pasta mind you from that little shoppy place yay um go guys so factors involve like you know um who I'm eating with and what they're getting like if Aaron's getting the steak I'm like I might get something like fish you know but I have a problem I do and sometimes it's it's been annoying and sometimes I'm like why can't I just get over that but for me like eating out and making a decision of what I need to eat and drink is actually a big deal but it shouldn't be isn't that interesting that in life we kind of make a big deal out of the things that aren't a big deal Like, humanity easily makes mountains out of molehills and molehills out of mountains. We major on the minors and minor on the majors. But when we read the Word of God, when we come to church, when we're immersed in the, the words of truth, when we listen to what Jesus and God and Holy Spirit are saying, we are always reminded and we're always brought back to what is actually major and what is really a minor. What is big in the kingdom of God? What is a major thing? And what's, what's minor? Not, not what's not important, but what just needs to go into the background and what needs to be brought out into the foreground. Um, Jesus majored on the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, like so much in his teaching. And he spent a lot of time talking about it. Like there's over 80 references in the New Testament to the kingdom of God. And he often went around and many others preaching, the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. Repent, like do something about it. When we read Jesus's conversations and prayers, we get insights into what matters to him So I believe the kingdom of God is a major thing that as Christians, as believers, we need to continually seek and find out and and gain understanding on. So I'm just going to lay a foundation before I get into my three-point sermon. All of you who guys like three points, I've got three points today. But let me just go through a few things. Um, Some of you might know this, some of you might not. Let's look at what the kingdom of God is and what the kingdom of God isn't. Okay, disclaimer. I'm not going to say every part of theology, every part of the Bible, um, throughout this message today. Obviously, I only have 25 minutes and 35 seconds, and so if you have questions, go search it yourself. You know, um, don't sit there going, "Oh, she didn't talk about this, and she didn't talk about that. She should talk about this, and she should use this scripture." Come on, I've only got 25 minutes and 24 seconds. So, what is the kingdom of God? In my understanding and my um, what I've learned. Okay, this is what the kingdom of God is. It is not a seasonal focus. The kingdom of God is an eternal realm of God's kingship and his domain. So when we talk of the kingdom of God, it's not some like mystical out there hoo-ha, kingdom, woo. Um, It's a reality that is anchored in eternity but is accessible here and now. So um, we can't often see the kingdom of God but we can see it outworked in someone's life and it and should be outworked in our lives, and I'll get to that soon. But what the kingdom of God is, is a spiritual territory waiting for us to possess. So in the Old Testament, the Israelites, God's people, they had a physical territory, the promised land. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They had a physical territory to possess. Here, in the, here now... Um, 2021, we don't need to possess a physical territory. We can access an, a spiritual territory anywhere we go. Because if we believe what Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here and within you, then wherever you go, the kingdom of God is there. So it's not a location, it's a spiritual realm that you can access. Okay? Um, Graham Goldsworthy said this What is the kingdom of God? He believes it's God's people. In God's place, under God's rule. So where is that? That can be anywhere. I can be out in Clear Lake and be living in the kingdom of God and experiencing it. So it's not a location. Um, Matthew four seventeen, Jesus is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. So it's a current reality here, but it's also and a future inheritance. See, some of you are like, oh, i just like become a Christian and I kind of don't get it there's all these things like you're saved and you're being saved and you know we're, we're, we're no longer slaves to sin but I still keep singing, sinning and it's like you you're just like grappling with this like it's both and and I don't get it well welcome to the kingdom of God there's a lot of both and yeah both and so it's here and it's later so it's a realm accessed by faith the kingdom of God is not something that we access just when we die FYI Um, the kingdom of God is heart transformation inside not outward intellectual understanding okay so wherever the lordship of Jesus is that is where the kingdom of God is so if the kingdom of God is wherever God's kingdom his domain is is Jesus the king of your heart I'm putting my hand up yes he is then you've experienced the kingdom of God does that make sense Luke 17, 21, Jesus tells us to, um, he says, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is within you. So this is a major thing. The kingdom of God is within you. It's not without. So if you're looking, where's the kingdom of God? Oh, I need to find it. I need to find it. You're not going to find it out there. It's in here. It's in here. It's within. It's when you put Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life, the kingdom of God is within you and his domain his kingdom his kingship will change the way you think and live we've got to understand this two words the kingdom of God is eternal and internal write that down eternal so lasting forever but it's internal as well so when we experience the kingdom of God and when we get introduced to it we can't stay the same it's a new way of thinking and believing Like, whose life has been transformed by Jesus' power? Mine. I do not think like I used to as a 10-year-old when I got saved. Um, The kingdom of God shows that God is at work in our lives. It actually identifies the presence and activity of God at work by faith when God reigns in our heart. Amen? So we're going to look at three things today um, of what the kingdom of God is and why we need to major on the kingdom of God in our lives. Okay, so we're going to read the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Romans 14, 17. Turn to it if you want, but it's on the screen. In the New King James. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Minor. Yes, we think it's important. Matthew 6, 33 or whatever. Don't worry about what you wear and drink. And it's so important on Sunday what we wear, right? I can't wait what I wore last week lol yeah so the kingdom of god is not a matter of that of eating drinking um clothing what you buy what you sell but this is what it is it is a matter of high importance of righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit and all i can think about is the ron Canoli song Woo-hoo! righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost and so when i was a kid i'm like that's awesome but what does that even mean right let's look at what that means For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, although that's important. So what is this saying? This is saying that the kingdom of God is not about outward observations. What you can, what you can't. What you keep, what you do. What rules you want, what rules you don't. It's actually not about the don'ts and the shouldn'ts. It is a matter of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And what are these things? They are eternal and internal realities. Remember, they're not just promises. They're realities that we get to possess. When we are enlightened with the truth of the word of God, we get to enjoy these realities. So the kingdom of God is not religion. It's not because religion doesn't free you. The kingdom of God and Jesus is the only thing that frees you. And this is major for people because the world thinks that Why would we turn to religion? Because all it is, is a matter of what you can, what you can't, what I need to do, what I need to keep, what I need to get rid of. Um, But Jesus didn't say that. He said, the kingdom of God, Jesus and God and Paul writing, is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense? So if God offers these things, plus so much more, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, then there's no surprise that these are antidotes and answers for the three major health concerns in our world today. Shame, anxiety and depression. Aren't these things major today? Isn't it crazy? Like I'm sure people suffered anxiety like 50 years ago. Well they did, maybe at the same extent but everyone's talking about it now and I think the way that news and social media, that does not help these health issues, right? But there's good news today because although the world majors on shame, anxiety and depression, Jesus majors on what is better, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'll explain these a bit. So shame is a sin problem. It's a spiritual problem. Anxiety is an emotional problem. Um, and depression is a physical problem because the joy of the Lord is your strength and when you laugh there's good medicine and a cheerful heart you know dry um, doesn't dry up the bones it brings good health so God is actually concerned and his kingdom with your whole being see the kingdom of God isn't just spiritual that is a lie and that is a myth the kingdom of God is physical emotional mental spiritual it is it is whole holistic um, we see this in a few verses, but I'll get to them at the end, okay? So the kingdom of God influences not just your spirit, but your whole being. Let's look at these. Number one, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. This, uh, so let's read out of the New Century or CV. Don't even remember what that says. What is that? No, okay, let's read this one. Oh, no, not that one. This is not on here. Sorry, my bad. Don't look at the screen. Look at me. Um <laughs> I didn't know this one. Oh, you'll have to look up your Bibles. Whoa. C-E-V, the kingdom of God. God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, pleasing God, in brackets, about living in peace and true happiness. All of this comes from the Holy Spirit. So righteousness is not just right standing with God, which that's the only way I could remember it as a kid. I'm like, righteousness, that's such a big word. What is that? right standing with God okay cool I'm made right with God no it's more than that it's freedom from shame because shame is the opposite to righteousness shame is disapproval but righteousness is approval and this word righteousness means justness righteousness of which God is the source and the author a divine approval who wants divine approval me and the only way we get it is by faith in Jesus so if shame is disapproval and righteousness is divine approval, then where did shame come from and how do we get rid of it? So FYI, I haven't had to tell you that shame is an issue in your life. Um, no one, your parents didn't, I don't think your parents grew up going, shame's going to be an issue. No, no, no. We know what shame is probably from a very early age because it, is, it came from sin. Wherever sin is, shame will be. And so therefore, it's a sin problem. It's a spiritual problem that needs a spiritual answer. And this is righteousness. So no one is exempt from shame just because you attend church. Just because you say you come to Harvest Church, you probably will experience shame. No one has to teach you about it, but there is a solution. So this quote is cool. It says, shame is considered the swampland of the soul. Um, Shame causes you to look down, right? Right? No one shameful looks up like this. No, no, shame is, it makes you hide. But righteousness causes you to look up. So I watched this movie, well, not really I, but my son's minions like a billion times over. And what I see is the little girls. Seriously, you won't forget this. This is all right. Right? The little girls who get adopted and then they don't get adopted and they get taken back, they are put in this box of shame. And I wasn't even watching the whole movie. I literally just watched, like, two seconds of it, as you do as parents. The kids watch the whole thing and you, like, come in in bits and pieces. And my heart, when I saw these three girls in their box of shame, one, two and three, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I don't even know what's going on here. But I, like, I can sympathise with you. Like, do you feel bad for me because I'm like wearing a box of shame? Yeah. And you know what? This is what the devil does to us. (laughs) He wants to put a box over our head and label us of the box of shame. But God needs to and wants to take this off and actually robe us in righteousness. Now, this is a kingly robe. Right? And it kept me warm this morning. But this is what it does. And Jesus is the only one that can do this when you get it on it's perfectly fit for you, don't worry. So he deals with this box of shame that, you, that only he can remove and he replaces it and he, and he dresses you in a robe of righteousness. And so this is why this righteousness is such a gift from God and it is the kingdom of God. It's not a part of the, it is the kingdom of God. It is divine approval that he looks down on you and says, you are my son, love that worship today, You are my son, no matter where you go, no matter what you do. It's that divine approval that you have to believe even when you aren't seeing it or feeling it. Amen? So, shame says shame on you. And some of us know who says that. Oh, no, who says this? But righteousness says shame off you. God says shame off you, not shame on you, because Jesus bore all the shame that you and I and the world would ever experience He is the only one that can carry all of that. This is what's so amazing about our God. So we cannot actually experience a righteousness outside of Christ, outside of the Godhead because the scripture says, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you um, don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost in your faith life, I would challenge you, you need to, because you can't experience peace, righteousness and joy without him. Amen? This is the best scripture. Now put it up, Tate. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ the only one who did not know sin to be a sin, to become our sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Not we don't do the righteousness of God. We become. It's who we are. It's our being. It's not our doing. It kind of results in our doing, but first it's our being. And this is why righteousness is the only fix through Jesus for the for the sin problem of shame. So, and you know this, Romans 8.1, next slide. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, you might need to memorise that one, because we all feel it. <laughs> and then my favourite, which I memorised as a kid, Isaiah 28.16. Anyone who trusts in him, God, will never be put to shame. So, when you have feelings of shame you know that the truth can override them because the Word of God is a greater reality. I believe it is a greater reality and sometimes you just need to get so much of that that it squashes out every other reality that's going on in here or here or here or wherever. Amen? So three quick things of how to deal with shame if it's a major problem in your life. So number one, bring it into the light. See, shame wants to hide. Adam hid in the garden... And God came looking for him. God didn't need to say, "Hey, you're feeling shame." He's like, "Hey, where are you hiding? Why were you hiding? You, you weren't born to hide, but sin and shame causes us to hide. So the only way to, to get free from that is to bring it into the light." And my favorite verse, one John one nine, if. Um, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we need to confess and bring stuff into the light. Number two, listen to the voice of righteousness. See, the the voice of righteousness speaks just like, not just like, (laughs) both righteousness and shame speak. They say a lot. So shame says shame on you. Righteousness says shame off you. Shame says you are bad. Righteousness says you are a child of God. And so my encouragement to you would be what voice are you listening to? The voice of truth and of righteousness or the voice of shame, which we all kind of default that, to that because it's a result of sin. And then number three, draw near to God. See, shame will not want you to draw near to God. Shame will not want you to raise your hands in full abandonment to God on a Sunday morning. Shame will have you stand there, maybe even sit there like this on a Sunday morning, because you're like, who am I to worship? Who am I to even, like, sing these songs? But righteousness lets you and invigorates you to worship unabandoned. Shame does not put your face... Di- oh, shame puts your face down, but righteousness lifts your face up. And this is where we're meant to be living. Yeah. Our face is fixed on Jesus. Amen? Is this helping anyone this morning? Don't worry, it's helped me and I'm like, this is the best. I have to preach it. <laughs> okay, number 2. Peace in the Holy Spirit. Peace, one, peace, quietness, rest, wholeness, undesert, undisturbed. Like just these words are hmm, calming to the soul, right? Undisturbed. To have a moment of being undisturbed in your soul, in your being. That would be nice. Rest, wholeness. So peace in the Holy Spirit is a gift from God, but it is a fruit from God also. So it's something we need to work on, but it's also a gift which is freely given. Amen? Peace in the Holy Spirit is freedom from anxiety. Opposite to peace, anxiety. Anxiety for me is worry on repeat, worry on repeat, worry on repeat, worry on repeat and really sometimes I'm like I need to think better but like this is the only thing that really shortcuts and like flips the switch in my worry or in my anxiety. So none of us intentionally choose anxiety, duh, (laughs) we don't go yes please, choose me, wreck my life, mess me up on the inside right? None of us choose it, but we constantly, it's like we, we, it's like they keep coming up like weeds. You're like, seriously, Aaron just sprayed that like two weeks ago and then these stupid weeds keep coming up and it's like, even though you might be spraying out your weeds or the anxiety or your worries, the final solution is seriously peace. It's, you might think it's positive thoughts, but positive thoughts probably won't last when you're having the deepest, darkest time of your life. Peace Something that is anchored, the word of God, in eternity is seriously the fix. So, Beyond Blue, you can go look at that website and this is a whole message or series on itself, but like millions and millions of people are living with anxiety and depression. So, it's a major issue, right? But as godly believers, we need to remember, change our perspective from what the world thinks is major and like change on its head and go, okay, God, yes, he sees anxiety but it's actually minor to him. Not that it's insignificant, but he has a greater reality, which is peace that you can possess and access. Amen? Feelings of anxiety, mental illness is not a sin, but it is not also God's design for your life. It's not your inheritance. You are not a second-grade Christian if you have anxiety because Jesus experienced it. He experienced great sorrow, the word says, He felt overwhelmed. He was troubled in many places in the Bible. So if he was troubled, then he knows how we feel. You're not the only... Like, anxiety makes us feel like we're the only one going through it. And you are in your own individual way. But Jesus knows what that is. So anxiety, the emotional problem, has a fix. And it is peace. And my encouragement, maybe just write this down, but um, eh, Pastor Corey Turner's message from his church, Numa, the... Dang it, something of heaven, my brain. Mm. I'll tell it later. Something of heaven, peace. It's like the, come on, it's like the power nut, nah, whatever. I should have written it. Bless the Lord. Okay. Corey Turner, something of heaven. Air of heaven, something like that. Nut. Nah. Okay, moving on. Peace in the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised, this is awesome, but really annoying. Jesus promised peace and pain. Jesus promised both peace and pain. Uh, Why? He is God. He can do what he wants. (laughs) John 16, 33. Let's read this. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, it's promised you will have many trials and sorrows. That sounds like pain to me. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What? So, Jesus, you've come to give us peace, but then you're also promising pain. So, you promise peace and pain? What the? Like, why? But again, it's this both and. Jesus promises peace and pain because peace is not the absence of pain, it is the acknowledgement of a greater reality that transcends. So a key, there's keys here. Just look at this. Okay, so two keys. Peace and pain often go together. So peace isn't the absence of pain. But also, look at the, look at the last um, little statement, but take heart. Take heart. Take heart because Jesus has come to give us peace in the midst of pain. If you need to take heart again, then do it. Do whatever you need to do to take heart again, to remind yourself of the divine, eternal, greater plan at work in your life. Peace is not understanding. Peace is not understanding because Philippians 4 says, remember, a peace from God will da- transcends all understanding. So peace isn't understanding. It transcends understanding. So it's of a greater reality. Therefore, when you go through the craziest time of your life and you're like, you know what, it's all good, it hurts, this is really hard, but God's gonna get me through it, and your friends look at you and go, what? How do you think it's gonna be okay? Like they don't get it because peace transcends, surpasses, surpasses understanding. So if you're looking for understanding in the form of peace, I just don't think you're gonna find it. It's peace in faith. Surpasses a your understanding. So write these things down. If you're experiencing anxiety, again, we could preach a whole series on it, but just um maybe have a read of these short passages. Matthew 6, 24 to 35. And sorry, they're not on the screen, but you can listen back later. Philippians 4, 4 to 9, Psalms 94, 19. This is my favorite. Whenever my busy thoughts were out of control, amen. <laughs> <laughs> the soothing comfort of your presence calmed me down and overwhelmed me with delight. You know where to find peace in the presence of God. But remember, the presence of God isn't freedom from pain because the Bible also says he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. What? So I can have peace when my enemy is like in my face? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can have peace when like all hell's breaking loose? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. See, and it's the understanding of the bigger work of the kingdom of God. It's awesome. So peace is an indicator that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Not absence of pain, peace. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Freedom from anxiety is what you can experience when the kingdom of God is evident in your life through peace. Amen. Anyway, ah, so good. Um, I'll come back to that. Okay, number three. Yes, we're good. Good with timing. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, just chill. This is not weird rolling around on the floor laughing joy. That's not what it just looks like. (laughs) Okay, this is a gladness, a source of joy, a delight. So what is the opposite to joy? Depression or despair or sickness The Holy Spirit wants to offer us joy instead of despair and depression. Now, if you asked me 15 years ago, could I be a Christian and be depressed, I would have said no and probably laughed in your face. But you asked me 13 years ago, can I be a Christian and experience depression? And that was my story. And it really messed with me. Like, and even some of you, you guys, you know, some of you online or wherever you are, you might be experiencing Um, even depression or anxiety or um, torment or shame and you're like but I gave my life to Christ and I'm following God with all my heart and my like every service and I'm like following him and I'm a leader and I'm in the word every day and I still experience this that doesn't mean that everything's wrong or like you're a second grade Christian it just seriously means that we've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling so it's a journey but there is hope And the promises that we can experience is joy, peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. We can find freedom from depression and despair in Jesus Christ, right? So I discovered with professional help that feelings weren't foreign or final. I discovered that there is always a road to recovery. You always have options whether you feel like it or not. And I discovered that even more so with God on our side, what better chance do we have? So you can be depressed and be in church this morning. You can have anxiety and be in church this morning. You're not bad. You don't have to sit in the car park. (laughs) You can be here because this is the best place to be. If you need help, get help. We have counsellors. We have pastors. Like, there's help and there's a road to recovery. I'm just going to say that. Um, Joy in the Holy Spirit. Not a weird joy. Joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, Proverbs 1722. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. This is why joy is actually a physical um, solution to depression. A cheerful disposition in the message is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone-tired. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so I had it a few days ago, I was like, I just said to Aaron, babe, I think I just need something to make me laugh. I'm feeling pretty flat, pretty bone tired actually, um, kids and stuff not being well and I just thought I need to like, I need to get, if, if laughter, if a cheerful heart is good medicine for my body, I need to get some of that. So my question is when was the last time you laughed? Like really good laugh, like not fake laugh, like there was this time a few weeks ago, Something was so stupid, I don't even know where it was, but I just started laughing because I was probably more tired than anything and then I just started crying and I'm like, but I'm not even, like, sad. This is just so hilarious and I just, it was just a moment of, like, I probably needed to, like, have a good ball session (laughs) and, like, you know, stuff builds up, but this laughter thing just brought so much healing and, like, just a relief. Um, So, okay, this African-American guy, Dr. Michael Jr., He's funny. He's like good at Christian comedy. Tim Hawkins is good Christian comedy. And I just think sometimes we just need to lighten up and laugh a bit, here. Eh? So the Chosen series, has anyone been watching it? Yes. How good is it? Seriously, stick with it. Go with it. App free. You can download it. Um, it is making me enjoy who Jesus is. Like Jesus is hilarious, but like totally biblical. But it's so good. Like he's just a bit of a... A larrikin, like, you know, all the disciples are like, oh, yeah, we've got to go do this. And he's like, lighten up, guys. It's beautiful. Like, it really... He's like, I've got it under control. Don't worry. Just stop bickering among yourselves. Let's, like, keep on the majors, not on the minors. Amen. (laughs) Um, Ecclesiastes 3, 4. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh. When was your time to laugh? Have you laughed recently? (laughs) Often in the Bible, the references to joy... I've noticed this. This is so cool. The references to joy are never just like a little bit or like an eyedropper or a little like splash of joy. No way. It is overflowing. I looked up all these verses on joy. It's fullness. It's full. It's complete. You know, Jesus says, make my joy complete. You know, you'll be overflowing with joy when you're in the presence of God. It is complete. It is a maximum joy that Jesus has for us. As part of his kingdom. This is God's desire and plan. So let's enjoy the joy in the Holy Spirit. And search it out if you don't even know what it is. Um, I have lived with feelings of helplessness, but I have never lived with feelings of hopelessness because I have the Holy Spirit. The band can come up um, as we as we close. So a few years ago, I was like, why do I still... I would like, literally, I was probably like just anxiety or depression or something like that and I'm like I don't feel hopeless like I'm just trying to process I'm like I don't feel hopeless because I got Jesus but I just feel helpless like nothing I'm doing is changing the situation but we're never hopeless because we have Jesus Christ on our side Romans 5 5 I love this verse let's read it together did I put it up oh awesome winning listen this is so good (laughs) And this hope will not disappoint. It will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Holy Spirit is not minor in the kingdom of God. We say he's the third person of the Trinity. He's not third importance. He is important. He is first. He is not third. It's God, Jesus and Holy Spirit. They are all important. And I think we need to major... Not weirdly, but bring a bit more of our focus to the Holy Spirit because if these things are what we access in him, then you trying to access righteousness, peace and joy without him, you're just not going to find it. It is only in him. He is the author. He is the um, the source. And he's the one that constantly keeps giving them. Amen. So I want to read this over you again as we finish up. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. hope we have in Jesus of like taking all our sin and dealing with all our stuff for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit not just to sprinkle his love in our hearts to what fill, fill like if we were in youth man I'd get Sam up here and, and put a big bucket of water over his head I was thinking that but probably not on this stage outside to demonstrate how much God wants to fill our lives, he doesn't just want to like shove my finger in there and just give you a teardrop of joy or peace or righteousness he wants to fill and if we look at him with expectation of Lord don't just like give me you know one card like give me the whole pack give me one you know don't just give me one something I want all of it like you're a child of God come to him as a daddy like who he is the perfect father Jamie you just did amazing with worship today that's still just like going on in my heart and spirit so so Um, Let's close our eyes. And I just want to encourage you with this. This is the greatest exchange. With your eyes closed. This is the greatest exchange that is on offer like ever. That we can exchange our shame for righteousness, our anxiety for peace, and our depression or despair for joy. So if you are living with shame, anxiety or depression, there is hope and there is an answer in the kingdom of God. See, all of these things, keep your eyes closed, but all of these things affect us, not just personally. See, I said the kingdom of God is eternal and internal. It affects us internally, but also externally, relationally. If you're dealing with shame, anxiety and depression, you're probably not going to want to come to church or go to your connect group or or look people in the face. Because this, so... Righteousness, peace and joy matters for our relational health and our spiritual health. Um, I'll read this quick quote and then I'd love to pray for you. Albert Schwitzer says this, There can be no kingdom of God in our world without the kingdom of God in our hearts. Now that's not biblical, but I like that. There can be no kingdom of God in our world without the kingdom of God in our hearts because the kingdom of God is worked out within you. It's worked out in our world within you. And so seek to understand, seek to experience, seek to trust and and deepen your knowledge of of what the kingdom of God is and what it means for you and your life. I'd love to pray over you this morning. Father, we just thank you for this word. Thank you, God, that it is, the truth is a major thing to you. It's It's not minor, it's major. The truth is major, the kingdom of God is major your truth, your righteousness, your hope, your forgiveness. These are all major things in the kingdom of God. And I just pray that our focus would be on what you make major. And when we're minoring on the majors, then I just pray you would just like slap us around in a really cool way and just refocus us. Every time we read your word, every time we're at a prayer meeting, every time we hear something on vision radio, like we. Remind us and retrain our minds and our spirits to see what really matters to you and like put that in in forefront in Jesus' Name. Um, Keep your eyes closed. I'm gonna give an opportunity for anyone who does not have Jesus, not just part of your life because Jesus never comes in and just be part of your life. He wants all of it. He wants full reign. He is the King and He needs to be King of your life. And when you accept and acknowledge the price that He paid for you, he bore our shame. He bore our sin. He bore it all so that we wouldn't have to. That in faith is called you are righteous. And is there anyone this morning, online, wherever you are, up in Neil, in Horsham, wherever you can hear my voice, do you want to accept this forgiveness, this gift of righteousness, this gift of peace and joy, and, and make Jesus the King of your heart? You can do that with a simple prayer this morning. We're all going to pray this. Let's pray at church. Follow after me. And this is a prayer of faith, acknowledging Jesus is King and that He can come and wash us clean. So Heavenly Father, pray this after me. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. He died for me. He took my shame. He took my guilt. He took my anxiety. He took my penalty for death so I wouldn't have to. I thank You for this gift of salvation. I receive it, I believe it, and I wanna activate it in my life. I want to acknowledge You as King. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, whether you're online, let us know, whether you're in the building, let us know, please come out. Like, Pastor Greg and I will be out in our welcome lounge. But, or any of our leaders or connect group, if you made that decision, we want to help you on your journey, not to religion, to faith. Amen? Yeah? Awesome. I hope you were blessed by that today. We are going to end with a song.